Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, once again to an episode, a new episode, I should say, of Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Mullinax. I am very fortunate to be the site manager of grizzlybearblues.com, the SB Nation website for the Memphis Grizzlies. It's been an interesting week uh, in Memphis Grizzlies fandom. Safe to say that uh, it's never a dull moment uh, with, with Grizzlies fans, even when it comes to guys that haven't even played a minute on the active roster, debates are fun to have. You know what else is fun? It's fun to watch John Moran play basketball. So there's going to be a lot of Jay discussion uh, in in this episode. Ja and and Josh and Jaron and you know uh, Justin apparently maybe Justin Jackson. I think we need more of those Jays uh, if Andre Iguodala works out a trade here in the next couple of weeks. So lots of different angles to take on this week's show. Uh, and I'm excited to have you with us. Ways to get in touch with us. You can follow us on Twitter at GBB Live. You can follow me on Twitter at Joe Mullinax. And of course, you can follow our terrific blog uh, with our awesome staff who has done a great, great, great week of work over at SBN Grizzlies. Follow us on Twitter. We're also on Instagram. Uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast on Stitcher, Spotify, our iHeartRadio uh, Apple and Google podcast, pretty much any way that you get a podcast, you can listen to this show. So subscribe, rate, review, uh, help us continue to build up our GBB podcast network. I'm excited this week to be joined by, of course, here in a moment, I'll bring on Parker Fleming, the great associate editor over at GBB. He's started a new feature series uh, about the NBA at large and how it pertains to the Grizzlies. And he tackles the ratings that are down. So I'm interested to get Parker's perspective. Obviously he wrote his great feature. Uh, we can get a little bit more depth from him on that. We'll also talk about the Josh Jackson issue uh, issue, excuse me, him missing a meeting. Uh, how important is that? Should that reset the clock? So to speak in the eyes of Grizzlies fans, to be honest with you, I don't really think it has an impact on the long term, but it just reintroduces the issue that we discussed with Anthony saying on last week's show. And I thought we had a pretty good conversation about that. So I'll talk to Parker about that. And then in the second segment, I'll be joined by former GB beer, actually former GBB associate editor, uh, the guy that Parker replaced, uh, Mr. Mark King. The reason Mark left, of course, he runs the fantastic Locked on Grizzlies podcast. And we're doing a, a double feature this week. I'm going to be on his show. He's going to be on mine. So it's going to be a fun uh, double dip with Mark as we talk about the Grizzlies in the week that was in Memphis. So we'll get to Mark in the next segment. But first, I want to bring in again, he's essentially my right-hand man over at grizzlybearblues.com. My football season has slowed down, but I'm still doing end-of-season meetings and all these things that come uh, with being uh, the head honcho. Uh, so um, he he's still doing a great job helping me run the ship. It's appreciated. Uh, Mr. Parker Fleming, how are you doing this week, sir? Hey, Joe, I'm doing pretty well, you know. Got to see a good Grizzlies win last night. Got to see my boy Grayson Allen drop 15 points. John Morant's back, and he didn't miss a beat at all. So I would if, say if, all is well. If you haven't listened to the Core 4 podcast or if you haven't followed Parker's work over at GBB, uh, first, you're wrong. You're, you're doing this wrong if you haven't done that. Uh, secondly, you are not the least bit surprised that Grayson Allen is Parker Fleming's boy. Uh, that That's not a shock, to say the least. But Grayson has looked pretty good. Unfortunately, the ankle injury, it looks like it's going to hold him out here for a little bit. But that's kind of a bummer, isn't it? I mean, he here's a guy who has looked in the part at times of what I say I'm looking for this season. Can this player fit alongside Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant long-term? He's had decent stretches of play where it looks like, yeah, he could be in that rotation on the next great Grizzlies team here in the next couple of years. And then he suffers an injury and it feels like a major setback every time because he misses out on those rotation opportunities. Yeah, I kind of compare it to someone like um, Matt Hoppering from the Utah Jazz teams in the early 2000s. You know, the ones with Darren Williams, Andre Kirilenko, Carlos Boozer. Um, those teams, he's just going to be an energy guy off the bench. He'll come in, he'll hit some threes. He'll occasionally have a big game, you know, kind of like last night where he has 15 points. But for the most part, you can just rely on him to make things happen on the court, whether it's attacking the rim and finishing with that little floater, hitting threes, or just making hustle plays. 
So I like what I saw from Grayson this past week, and it's unfortunate that he went down. But hey, if it's anything like his last ankle injury, he's going to come back even better. And the latest injury report for the Grizzlies also said that Kyle Anderson and Brandon Clark, they look like they're going to be making their returns potentially on Wednesday night. So the Grizzlies are getting healthy. And again, it's not about wins and losses. If they win, that's fine. If they lose, that's fine. That's one of the nice things about the way the lottery went down and getting John Morant. Uh, The convey argument really isn't as important anymore. What matters is getting talent around Jaron and Ja. And Grayson Allen is a player that they were able to acquire because of the Mike Conley trade. And is he going to be a starter on this team if they're going to make the playoffs? Probably not. But you need a strong bench. And Grayson Allen looks like he might be able to fill that role quite nicely, at least at this stage. Um, But again, it's on a bad team. You need to see a larger sample size. I am curious. Again, we talked a lot about Josh Jackson last week on the podcast. And if you're listening to this show and maybe you don't follow the Grizzlies as closely, and you're more of an NBA overall uh, follower uh, of the league, you might be curious as to why Grizzlies fans are so hell-bent to discuss this guy. He was a bad basketball player in Phoenix, and that's probably being generous. By the end of his time with the Suns, he was one of the least efficient players. Correct me if I'm wrong on this, Parker. In the history of basketball, I think what's one thing I read, one statistic, that he was one of the least effective players in the history of the game of basketball. So it's not like we're talking about somebody who is a dominant creature. But at the same time, we're talking about somebody who is a freak of nature and a dominant creature at the G League level. And he missed a meeting. He got benched from the hustle game on Monday night. And... That obviously brought back all the debate. What should be done about Josh Jackson? I I am of the mind, and I wrote about it over at the blog. You can check it out. Uh, I've been watching a lot of Watchmen. I don't know if you have HBO or if you're into that show or that comic or graphic novel. Uh, The the Watchmen series is fantastic for anybody that's watching it. I highly recommend it. Um, And and I don't write about Watchmen in this article, but I use the uh, the Rorschach test, uh, who's a character in the original graphic novel, And the idea of, I I think at this point, Parker, what you see in Josh Jackson says more about you than it does Josh Jackson. Because Josh Jackson, we don't know what he is as a Memphis Grizzly. He has not played a single minute. As far as we know, he hasn't practiced beyond training camp, maybe. Uh, Very much with this roster, we don't know what he's going to do as a Grizzly. But everybody has a pretty formed opinion of whether or not he should even be there. And it's not like they're uneducated. I think Anthony Sane, who made his case on this very podcast last week, made some good points. I don't necessarily think he's wrong to say, hey, look at the physical gifts this guy has. Look at what the Memphis Grizzlies are working with. Is the Solomon deserves these playing time minutes hill the one you're willing to die on? I think that's fair. I don't necessarily agree with the idea that Josh Jackson isn't good enough to get minutes on this team. But on the flip side, if you're trying to prepare him for an NBA career that's longer than the next six months, if you're trying to figure out what he can do as a professional at the G League level, if you're trying to give him an opportunity through leadership potential to rehabilitate himself a little bit, I see that argument too. A missed team meeting does not change that for me. I think folks that are being overly critical of that probably need to evaluate their own professionalism and and maybe think about a time that they cursed at work that they shouldn't have or heaven forbid they left early uh, before the, you know, 15 minutes before the clock. <gasps> oh, contract hours. You know what I mean? Like I, I feel like to judge the team meeting thing is a little bit intense. Now, if you want to talk about his poor choices off the court, even if he didn't actually get a baby high, the fact that you could be accused of that and that actually go forward as an actual accusation, you're probably not the best decision maker. So I think there are some things that he does struggle with and are very fair to criticize him for, but this is not one of them. And for me, I'm still in the same place. I think that they were right to do what they did, but you're not going to be able to achieve the goal that I stated earlier. You need to figure out if Josh Jackson can play with John ja Morant and Jaron Jackson Jr. That's not going to be discovered in South Haven, Mississippi, and I think the time has come to move him up 
maybe you have an, a punishment in mind. Uh, you keep him an extra week or whatever. But like I said, I don't even think the Grizzlies are viewing this through that spectrum. They might be done after the one game suspension. I think their long-term plan goes beyond just the next few weeks with Josh. You know, maybe they trade Andre Iguodala and they move him up. Whatever the case might be, I am of the mind that a, the missed meeting doesn't change what their perception of Josh is. But again, I think that says more about the Grizzlies than it does Josh Jackson at this point. And however everybody else pursues him says more about their own prism of viewing the situation than it does the player in person, Josh Jackson himself. Yeah. And like I was reading your article this morning. Great job, by the way. And the thing with me that I'm just kind of like torn on is right now I'm looking at this rotation and it's about to be fully healthy. You know, you're about to get Kyle Anderson back. You're about to get Brandon Clark back. And you just got John Morant back. That starting five right now, still as it stands, Ja, Dylan, Jay Crowder, Jaron Jackson Jr., and Jonas Valanciunas. And when you get to the bench, firing. But for the most part, you've had Tyus, Grayson, Solomon Hill, Kyle Anderson, and Brandon Clark. And that's also sprinkled in a little bit of Marco Goodrich minutes in there. Where are you cutting minutes? Because for one, D'Anthony Melton is higher on the pecking order than Josh Jackson. It was outright said that by Adrian Rojanowski when they made the trade. D'Anthony Melton was the jewel of the trade. So for one, you got to find minutes for him. And at the moment, it's you, you can't even tell where they're going to cut the minutes. Last night against the Warriors, they kind of cut a little bit of Goodrich minutes. And they rolled with Tyus Jones, D'Anthony Melton, and Grayson Allen. Granted, super small, but I think D'Anthony's 6'8 wingspan plus Grayson's tenacity defensively kind of made up for it. But where are you going to fit Josh Jackson in there? Because you're going to look at cutting away Tyus Jones' minutes, who, despite his struggles, he's still second on the team in assists per game. He's averaging almost five assists a game. You need that in your second unit, especially since you do not have any bucket-getting, Lou Will, Will Barton-type scores off the bench. And then also, too, you're not going to cut D'Anthony Melton's minutes because he's the reason why Josh Jackson's here. You wanted D'Anthony Melton, and you got Josh Jackson with it because Phoenix didn't want him. And also, too, are you going to cut away and cut minutes away from Grayson Allen, who's averaged 11 points a game and shot 40-plus percent from three over the past five or six games? I don't think so. And even then, you look at the numbers. I'm looking at cleaning the glass right now, and... Josh Jackson has spent the majority of his minutes in the NBA at the three and the four. That's that's not Grayson's lane. Grayson's going to be more that two-guard, and in certain situations he might play in a three-guard lineup. So the thing is, maybe you wait for a Jay Crowder trade to find minutes for him. And I did find a good trade um, that would honestly be – I think you might like this because you're a big Rodney Hood guy. So Ronnie Hood just uh, ruptured his Achilles, and they would trade him and a first-round pick for Jake Crowder. So you let Ronnie Hood rehab, maybe look at him next year to see what he can provide, get an extra first-round pick, while also freeing up actual time for Josh Jackson, if that all makes sense. No, I think that makes sense. My biggest thing... Uh, um, in terms of minutes, is anybody who is not, again, I'm not in the Grizzlies front office. They haven't uh, given me any insider information on this. Solomon Hill is not a part of your long-term plan. He's just not. And if he is, I think you're viewing things incorrectly with what this rebuild should look like. Same thing with Jay Crowder. There's one guy on this team who per game is playing more than 30 minutes a game, and that's Jay Crowder. I would change that immediately. And that's not even a disrespectful thing to Jay Crowder. I think he's been a good veteran for the team. He wants to be here. It's not supposed to be a knock on him. It's an acknowledgement of the fact that this team is not going to go forward with those guys in tow. It's just not going to happen, especially Jay Crowder, who may not be on this roster in two months. 
because he's going to be traded before the trade deadline or at the trade deadline. So I would look at guys like that, and that's where I would begin because you know they're not going to be there. At least if I were running the Memphis Grizzlies, I know those two dudes are not going to be there. So Josh Jackson would get minutes from them first. And then from there, to be honest with you, Marco Guterich is shooting under 30% from three. You know, we're still two weeks away from my call me at Christmas, but that's not very good. And I don't see it getting that much better uh, over an extended stretch in these next two weeks. Uh, You mentioned Tyus Jones. Tyus is struggling as well. 21.6% from three. I'm with you on DeAnthony Melton. I wouldn't take a single second from him, but you know, Tyus is is playing 20 minutes a game at the moment. And obviously that was before uh, DeAnthony Melton being introduced uh, to the roster or to the rotation, I should say. So maybe cut that down to 12 to 14. You know, there's ways to get him time. And I think that it's important to point out that obviously as Brandon Clark, Kyle Anderson, you mentioned those guys, they're naturally going to get some of those minutes too. I do think that their plan, their overall scheme might connect to the concept of a trade, a Jay Crowder trade, a Solomon Hill trade, obviously Andre Iguodala. If they do a two for one, for example, and they send out, Iguodala and Crowder or Iguodala and insert name here. And they take on, say, you know, God, someone like Steven Adams. I'm just using that hypothetically because I saw Oklahoma City shopping him. Doesn't mean I think they should do that. I'm just using that as an example. And that frees up a roster spot. And now you have another big who has two-year contract, but OKC gives up a first-round pick to get off of that deal. And now they have two expirings on their ledger. And that's the price you pay. I could see that kind of a deal. Again, maybe not for Steven Adams in particular, because he already got Valanchunas. But I could see something like that, where they're willing to take on a big long-term contract or longer term than what they currently have in exchange for another pick. And then that's more minutes that get opened up from there for a Josh Jackson if you take away. I mean, if you traded Crowder and Iguodala, I mean, that's 30-plus minutes right there that are freed up just losing Crowder. So... That that's how I would do it. And I think you're on to something. There might be a trade in their mind or a couple of trades that they're going to execute, and that will free up a spot for Josh Jackson. Right. And I do it's one of those things too where I want to see them prioritize the guys that they made moves for this summer and purposely had them in these trades. You know, your D'Anthony Mountains. And every time I feel like Coach Jenkins turns around, he's raving about Grayson Allen. And also, too, you're not going to take minutes away from Kyle Anderson also for Josh Jackson. Um, I mean, obviously, I don't think too much about this team meeting because we don't know what caused it. I mean, it could be a, something silly like him getting in traffic. Like, we just don't know what it is, and it's unfair for us to make assumptions that it's anything that could cost his future with the Memphis Grizzlies or in the NBA for that matter. We're wrapping up here with Parker Fleming, associate editor over at Grizzly Bear Blues here on GBB Live. Make sure you're following him on Twitter if you don't already do so, at Paka, P-A-K-A underscore Flocka. Uh, Today we had a double feature. I mentioned mine about Josh Jackson uh, a moment ago. You introduced a new monthly feature that you're going to do. And again, every time I talk to you, I feel like I'm 60 years old. Uh, League-wide vibes is the name of the feature. And you tackle in your first monthly uh, feature here, uh, League-Wide Vibes is the title of it, the ratings problem, the ratings dilemma. Because there's no denying that the NBA has an issue with their ratings right now, 15% down from the same time last year. That's a pretty steep decline. Now, you make arguments in the piece about streaming and and obviously the, the stars being out west, injuries, there's a lot of different things that create these issues. And you also mentioned a couple of solutions that I'll, I'll leave out of this conversation. So folks go read the article. Um, but I am intrigued by the overall concept because I think this stumbles into a problem that is probably a, a longer, maybe a podcast in and of itself uh, conversation about how the NBA is so star driven and it's so player driven. And that's such a positive in a lot of ways. But I think when you're so focused on Steph Curry or LeBron James, even more so than the Golden State Warriors and the Los Angeles Lakers, sure, it doesn't help that they're on the West Coast, 
But at the same time, if Steph Curry's not there or if Klay Thompson's not there, the Warriors just aren't as interesting. Forget not as good. They're not as interesting. Look at attendance. Look at how when Steph or Clay or both, obviously, played in Memphis in the regular season, it was a sold-out crowd, and there were all sorts of quote-unquote Warriors fans in attendance to see those guys play, especially Steph. This past year, or this season, excuse me, when that team came to FedEx Forum and played, it was a ghost town. It, those folks were nowhere to be found. So I think that when you're so prior or when you prioritize so much the star, the individual, it can be a double edged sword. And I think that the league is getting the feel of that when you allow these guys to have as much freedom as they do. And again, I don't necessarily know that it's a bad thing. It's definitely not a bad thing for the players, but it is for the league as a whole. When you're so dependent on those guys and they're not there, naturally you're going to see numbers go down. Right. And that is one of the biggest things I did tackle in my piece. And it's just the idea of star power and, you know, there's so many like data-driven stuff that like mathematics basically comes up with some sort of data for anything. Why can't the NBA have some sort of data thing that sets and ranks every NBA team by some equation where it's the team's the team's uh, ceiling, their floor, the difference between their ceiling and floor? and the star power and kind of distribute the national TV games by that because this season just kind of shows a bad return on investment when you give the Warriors 30 national TV games. I mean, rightfully so they have been one of the, they have been the best team in the past five years, but look at their roster beyond Steph D'Lo and Draymond Green, the three, I mean, I just included Steph. I didn't include Clay Thompson because He's not going to play this year. When you look at that, the rest of that roster, it's very weak. And so one injury and you're all of a sudden watching a G League team. And same goes for the New Orleans Pelicans. Like they're the league put Zion at the forefront and gave them 24 national TV games. We didn't even see that with Anthony Davis. And they actually had like a decent team a few years ago. And now that he's hurt, we're basically watching the same Lakers team that we watched on national TV for the past three years, the ones that won 30 games. So I would like to see them focus more on teams with higher floors that are just as good and still have a little bit of star power, you know, like your Denver Nuggets or the Miami Heat. I mean, even with Kyrie Irving out, the Brooklyn Nets are eight and three and there are not enough good teams in that East Coast time zone for national TV games, why not throw Brooklyn out there? They have a cool court. They're a, they have a great culture. Kenny Atkinson's a phenomenal coach with a great system. And Spencer tinwitty has been awesome. I mean, everybody that follows basketball to the extent that we do knows that Spencer Dinwiddie's an all-star this year. I mean, why not look at the Indiana Pacers, even though they have Vigil Oladipo out, Yet you still have guys like Malcolm Brogdon, Demonis Sabonis, Miles Turner, Jeremy Lamb, TJ Warren. It's still a really good team. And I think in the process, if you were to do that and focus on some of these just good teams without these A-list stars and maybe sprinkle in some games for some of your 20, 21-year-old stars, your John Morants, your De'Aaron Fox, your Devin Bookers, your Shea Gilgis Alexanders, heck, the Mavericks only had 13 national TV games this year. Why not give Dallas 20 national TV games because Luka's unbelievable and they still also have Christos Porzingis? Why not sprinkle in a few games for Trey Young as well, even though their team sucks? It's a chance to build a star. We've seen where national TV games can build that star. I mean, you remember Steph Curry's performance in the Garden, right? Where he dropped sure. 54 points. No, yeah, no, you're exactly right. I, I think that there's a lot of things going on here. I, and I agree with you in your feature that the, the midseason tournament doesn't do it for me. I have no desire to watch that. I don't understand why any player would want to play in that. Uh, money doesn't matter to these guys, at least compared to, you know, what Steph or Clay is dealing with. 
Can you imagine if in the middle of the season, LeBron James blew out his ACL in a meaningless tournament? I just, I could only, I can't begin to fathom uh, the, the frustration that would come from that. So I, I don't know what the answer is. I do think that lesser games would help or fewer games, or if they made divisions or, or, uh, you know, the, the conference champion, you know, those divisions, especially at the Southwest division, Southeast division, if they made those mean more, I think that would help. I am surprised at how, and you mentioned this in your feature, I'm surprised at how they're dropping the ball with Luka Doncic a little bit, because to me, he's the biggest superstar that nobody knows about, right? Like he, he's just kind of out there, but here's a young, good looking guy who could be the face of this next wave of basketball in the, in this next coming decade, like him, Trey young, like th- there's options. There are own jaw Morant. And you mentioned that in the article, I think jaw is easily the most exciting rookie to watch from this class. So there's so many pieces out there and Luca just jumps off the page as the main one, but Trey young could probably be included in that as well. That are just so exciting and they're missing out on, on opportunity to really kind of feature those guys. I think the best idea is the flexible scheduling, which is similar to what the NFL does. And the NBA will do that later on. I would probably expand that to being year round. So if you get into a space where there's injury or a surprise star is bursting, or if a team is a lot better than you thought they'd be like the Miami heat with Jimmy Butler, you get them more of a look and it gives the the best window into what the NBA can be. Uh, right now, if you're watching a, a Pelicans-Warriors game on a Wednesday night, uh, I would say you have an addiction problem uh, to watching NBA basketball on television. But uh, I really enjoyed the feature. I like the idea of having a more NBA overall kind of look on something with a Grizzlies twist there at the end. And I highly recommend you go check out that piece if you haven't already done so. Parker, as always, thanks for joining, buddy, or joining me, buddy. I look forward to talking with you next week. Absolutely. Thanks, Joe. That's Parker Fleming, associate editor over at grizzlybearblues.com. Make sure you're giving him a follow at Paca underscore Flocka uh, if you don't already do so. Coming up in our next segment, I'll be talking Josh Jackson, Ja Morant, and more with Locked On Grizzlies, Mark King. Make sure you don't miss it. We'll be right back here on Grizzly Bear Blues Live. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to Grizzly Bear Blues Live. I am your host, Joe Molinax. In the previous segment, you heard me talking with our new, and I put that in air quotes because he's been around for a while, associate editor Parker Fleming. In this segment, I welcome back to the podcast our former associate editor uh, who did such a great job for us over at GBB for multiple years. His name is Mark King. He now uh, focuses on his Locked On Grizzlies podcast that he has done a phenomenal job building and developing. Uh, If you don't subscribe to that, anywhere you can get a podcast, you're doing it wrong. I highly recommend that you check out Mr. Mark King and you listen to him now. And I was telling folks in the first segment, Mark, I don't know if people want this or not. I guess maybe that's debatable, but they're going to get it whether they want it or not. A a double dip of the Joe and Mark special. You're, You're on GBB Live this week, and I'll be doing my weekly spot uh, with you on Locked On Grizzlies, it, it's going to be a whole lot of Joe and Mark and a lot of people's podcast feeds. It doesn't get better than that. I mean, really, it doesn't. I mean, that's the <laughs> that's the that's the peak uh, of of Grizzlies podcasting. So uh, it'll be fun. Yeah, it'll be it'll talk Grizzlies here for next hour and a half or so. It, it's going to be a Grizzlies fandom, you know, just dream. I'm sure for yeah. a, uh, the dozens of people that listen to our podcast and, and <laughs> multiple dozens in your case, just a couple in mine. Uh, But in in all seriousness, I appreciate your time, Mark. And of course, I appreciate all of you uh, that are listening to the show. Uh, Let's jump right in when it comes to Josh Jackson. Uh, We talked about him in the first segment as well. I wrote a feature over at grizzlybearblues.com taking a look at how the Josh Jackson question is essentially it's pretty much evolved to me that it's more about you at this stage and how you perceive things and issues than it is Josh Jackson himself because we don't really know what the hell Josh Jackson is going to be as a Memphis Grizzly we have an idea of what he is as an NBA player but the Phoenix Suns were a bigger dumpster fire than even the Chris Wallace Grizzlies of the last two years I don't know how fair it is to make a complete judgment based off of that 
We know off the court he at best has questionable decision-making. At worst is a terrible, horrible parent in person who has done multiple illegal things. Uh, The truth's probably somewhere in the middle there, but he is clearly being treated in a different way than just about anybody else by the Memphis Grizzlies because of those transgressions more so than his basketball ability. So I'm curious, and I I know where you stand because we've talked about it. I've seen it on social media as well. I've listened to your podcast. I know that you're similar to others in terms of him being wasted at the G League level at this point, especially. But the the missed meeting that happened this uh, this week does that impact your view of this at all? Does it restart a clock? Should it? Or are you of the mind that it's just time to end this and bring him up to the active roster? You know, there, there are, um, I think there are a lot of circumstances that go into play and see the missed meeting and, and probably that we'll never know, but we just, we don't, we'll never find those things out. You know, did he miss a meeting because his alarm didn't go off and he overslept? Cause we, as professionals do that from time to time and, uh, we miss meetings and we miss work. And so, uh, is it that, is it, uh, he just didn't want to do it. He had better things to do. So I think there is also an underlying story that we just don't know. And we probably never will. Um, I think it's, it's notable that, you know, the one game suspicion is, is really just a um, predetermined time. Like if you just miss a meeting, that's just what happens. Like it doesn't matter what happens. If you miss a meeting, if you miss one, even if your alarm doesn't go off, that's just it. Now, if you miss his, gets suspended for multiple games, then, you know, maybe that's a different story. Maybe that there is, you know, a bigger storyline there that um, is different than just a a random one-off thing. So is he helping himself? Is he doing himself any favors? Absolutely not. He's not at all. Uh, He's a professional and and the Grizzlies have asked him to do the things they've asked him to do, whatever those benchmarks are, are internally. And so, you know, he's not helping himself out at all right now in the fact that he's just, you know, in the news cycle, if, if anything, you want to be uh, out of the news cycle as much as possible. You just want to, you know, keep your head down, do what you're asked to do and, and continue to move on. So I think that's part of it is, is, you know, the, the story behind the story of something that I just, I don't think we'll ever get. Um, but I think it's notable that if it's just one game suspension and that's it, and you kind of wash your hands of it, that that is very predetermined. That's like a league policy. So um, that's a team policy. That's not, something that you got in trouble for and they're determining how many games you should miss. Um, as far as, you know, whether Josh should be playing or not playing, he is a guy that, you know, the G league is, is not going to help you determine what Josh Jackson is. Uh, it's just not. And then it's like, it's a bit like summer league. And in, in that sense that, you know, you're not going to determine what ultimately your, your high level prospects are in summer league. And, and if, if anything, uh, we've talked about this on the, your show before, my show and, and everybody else's, that if 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 jo- Josh is out there not doing the things he's supposed to do, if he's not scoring 20 points a game, then that's when you start to be concerned. But um, the G League doesn't help anybody. And the Grizzlies need to determine what they have in Josh Jackson. I, and I would advise that sooner rather than later, just, just to know. And you can't determine that with him in the G League. You can only determine that with him against other players in the in an actual NBA game. So um, even with the missed meeting, I'd still have him up playing with the Grizzlies. I'd still be, you know, have him out there on a nightly basis, just determining what you have with him, you know, and you never know. He might play really, really well uh, for two months. He might just blow it out of the water and the Grizzlies might have an opportunity to sign him to a much, maybe smaller contract than they normally would have if, you know, they'd started with him at the beginning of the season and he killed it. And then he kind of goes look for another payday. Um, maybe they say, Hey, look, we took a chance on you. Uh, we're going to, we would love to have you around for another two years. And maybe you get, maybe you get a break on the money and you get a, get a value at his contract for the next two years. But either way, it, none of that matters. If Josh Jackson is playing in the G league, it just, it just doesn't, you can't effectively evaluate what you have in a player of his talent against guys who just aren't even supposed to be in the, you know, in the, in the NBA and who are not, who are in the G league. Yeah, I'm with you. And and as I've said multiple times, the goal of this season now is to figure out who can play with Jaron and jaw. And you're not going to figure that out with Josh Jackson playing in South Haven. It's just not going to happen. The question of the day, obviously connected to Josh Jackson and thanks to the 85 folks who voted in the poll. I was a little bit late getting it up. uh, I was one of them. Yeah, yeah, I voted as well. And it sounds like we might be on the same page with this. The question of the day was, what do you see most when you look at Josh Jackson as a member of the Memphis Grizzlies organization? Do you see a future Grizzlies starter? 
Do you see a prospect to invest in? Do you see a tradable asset? Or do you see a guy that is soon to be waived? Uh, the leading vote getter was prospect to invest in 42%. That's the topic that I voted or, or the option that I selected. Yeah, same here. Um, yeah. I, I was surprised to see that second and third were both, or I guess maybe I shouldn't have been, uh, both, I would say, are negatives, a, a tradable asset or a guy soon to be waived. I definitely don't think he's a tradable asset. When you're in a trade that you're the least valuable piece and DeAnthony Melton in second round picks are the other uh, pieces attached, you're probably not a tradable asset overall. He might make money work in a larger trade, but he's probably not the main cog in any deal by the deadline. Um, I I don't see how you can definitively say he's going to be a future Grizzly starter. Again, you can say that what happened in Phoenix doesn't matter at all, I guess, but if you're going to argue that he's an NBA player, then you have to use the time that he was an NBA player as evidence. And there were times that he was pretty God awful uh, as a member of the Phoenix Suns on the basketball court. So I, I'm not set and sold on saying this guy is going to be a starter on the next great Grizzlies team. But again, you have no way of knowing that while he's wearing awesome dog uniforms for the Memphis hustle, he has to be with the Grizzlies to get a better read on that. So maybe Memphis is waiting for a trade. We talked about that in the first segment. Uh, It's the season of Andre Iguodala rumors is coming very soon with Sunday being the first day that contracts that were signed over the summer can be moved. So that opens up possibilities on the Andre Iguodala trade market. Uh, Maybe you pair him with a larger deal. Same thing with Jay Crowder, Solomon Hill uh, to take on a big time contract, uh, and get a pick in return being willing to take on long term money in exchange for exchanging deals. There's lots of ways this can go for the Grizzlies and Jackson could be a piece of that. I think it's more likely that they move on from Iggy and a Jay Crowder or, and a Solomon Hill and they supplant that or uh, replace, I should say those guys as minutes, either Jay or Solomon with Josh and obviously, I, I use Stephen Adams as an example in the first segment. I don't think that trade will happen. Adams doesn't make a ton of sense with the Grizzlies at this moment with Valanchunas on the roster. But that's just an example of a guy with two years left on a $25 million plus per year contract that money could work and you could maybe get a pick back in exchange uh, if the Thunder wanted to do something like that, which they probably wouldn't want to do. So that's just one name. There's plenty of others out there uh, that you could swing. I think he's a prospect to invest in. I don't understand how you could say otherwise. You have no idea what he is. And at least as a Memphis Grizzly, you don't know what he is. And I don't think Josh Jackson knows what he is. So it's probably time to figure that out. And I know the Grizzlies have a plan. They have to. They have a plan for everything else. They've earned our patience at this point or at least they've earned my patience in terms of the moves that they've made but I do think we're getting to the point where you have to say he's too good for the G League he's not getting better dominating this level if he's going to be someone that we're going to invest in we got to start seeing him do this or something close to this on the NBA level on a consistent basis and you got to give him as much of a sample size as possible before you make that decision to invest in terms of money and years in a contract yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, I, I saw the, I saw the question and and the thought. My, my first thought, actually, first of all, I want to start with this. I'm 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 really kind of sick of this, uh, the the puppy dog hustle uniform slander that I see on my timeline. I liked it. I like them. My dog is on that uniform, so I'm pretty. I'm pretty. Uh, I'm not happy. I'll be honest. Uh, our puppy it's a is a good there. looking dog. They're all know, good right? boys. They're good boys. All every one of them. They're good dogs, boys yes. and girls. I'm sure there's um, female dogs on there too. They're good dogs. My, yes, my dog's They're a good female dog. dog so this, she's a good girl. Anyway, I, you know, I, th- I think it's a it's a bit of a situation where, um, you know, it's it's like you mentioned, it's it's hard to tell. You know, it's really like I always talk about on my show a fit. You know, and and, and it's a real thing in the NBA, and, and and sometimes it works out in some cases. And you see players go other uh, you know different teams and different scenarios and different coaches and different front offices and they thrive. And so um, you really never know what a player can do until you put them out on the floor. And since we haven't really seen Josh out on the floor with anybody uh, this year with the Grizzlies, it's hard, you know, it's a hard question to answer just because you just don't know what he is. You just don't know 
anything because you haven't seen anything at all. But yes, I, I'd lean toward it's a prospect. And, and like I mentioned before, and the uh, my last you know question is that uh, you, you should have to evaluate what you have, and and maybe you do get him at a, at a discounted rate. But um, you know, right now as a as a as an asset. Josh Jackson, what I would I like to refer to as a negative value asset, and, and what I mean by that is, as he's not going to get you anything as a positive value back. If anything, like you mentioned, he is a throwaway and a trade for the money, and just to make things work. And that doesn't that doesn't provide any value to your team in terms of assets or in terms of uh, players. And so right now, that's all Josh is because no one knows what he is. And so the only thing you have to go off information wise, scouts and front offices do is what he's done in in the Suns. And then front offices look at the Grizzlies and say, well, if he's not good enough to get on the floor with a six and seven, well, seven and thirteen team, whatever, whatever they are, Grizzlies are right now, if he can't seem to get on the floor then, then there must be some issues going on behind the scenes that we're not privy to, which is the way I look at it, and which is probably the way most front offices look at. It. So they're not going to go out and trade you a positive value asset. Uh, for someone that could possibly negatively impact their team or not do anything for them. So, um, so right now you, you really can't, you know, deem, uh, you I mean, you could deem Josh a tradable asset, but it would be a negative value uh, for whatever you're going to get in return. So uh, yeah, I mean, you know, Josh is, is a guy that, you know, we just don't know what he is. And until they put him on the court with actual NBA players and with this team and this coaching staff, uh, you can't really, you know, you can't determine what he is, but I, I, it'd be a safe bet that, uh, this front office and this coaching staff is a lot better staff that they had in Phoenix. Talking to Mark King, he is the host of the Locked On Grizzlies podcast. Follow it on Twitter at Locked On Grizz. I have a weekly spot on that show. It's an almost daily podcast uh, that you definitely should check out if you don't already. Make sure you're following Mark on Twitter at King underscore producer. The Grizzlies, you know, we talked a lot about Josh Jackson on this episode. The actual Grizzlies, the ones that are playing right now, Picked up a pretty big win over the Golden State Warriors, a, a game that I did not think they would be victorious in. And I'm going to be honest, I even may have had some John Morant slander in my game preview of the contest. I said that D'Angelo Russell and Draymond Green were going to be the definitive two best players on the floor throughout the game. I wasn't awake for the whole thing. I'm going to be honest. I was on the East Coast. I've watched it on DVR and I've rewound or excuse me, fast forward and that sort of thing. Uh, but I didn't watch it live. From what I've seen, that was not the case. There were multiple occasions, especially once again in the fourth quarter of that contest when the game was on the line, where John Morant was the best player on the floor. Now, it wasn't all the time. It wasn't like he was the dominant player all 48 minutes. But when the Grizzlies needed him to be, he once again stepped up, especially on the offensive end, 26 points, seven assists, just a dominant performance from the likely rookie of the year. This kid is fun to watch, and he is already, you know, obviously rookie of the year candidate. For the Grizzlies in particular, he's reaching MVP levels. Without John Morant, not only are they less interesting, they're far less competitive in terms of what they can do over the span of a full four quarters in an NBA basketball game. John Moran is he's electrifying. I mean, he, he's a guy that he just he just changes the game in so many ways when he is in it, and he is a guy that is it's night and day when the Grizzlies are playing without him and then when they're playing with him. Um, he's just so much fun to watch. You know, he's got a little. You know, the thing about Ja and, and the thing that I probably was I'm not necessarily surprised with, but uh, pleasantly uh, just I wanted to see it, but I'm glad that we got to see it so early. It's just that killer instinct in the fourth quarter. And that's why he's been so good. It's just trying to put teams away, put this team on his back. And, and, you know, that always does, you know, that doesn't always come to players of his caliber early. And it doesn't, sometimes it never gets there. Sometimes, um, you know, you could argue that, you know, someone like a Mark Gasol, it never got there. And it was just, and it was maybe you saw it every once in a while, but it's never showed up like you wanted it to. And so, you know, just someone like John Moran to see him, had that type of you know uh, killer instinct this early on in his career, even earlier. I mean, it was in the, in the first few weeks of the season. It is I, something that I, is my favorite thing about him. It's something I love. Um, something him he he has you know, shots and 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 passes and dunks where he kind of goes at away crowds and um, you know a little bit of a kind of a Russell Westbrook attitude, which I I think it's I think it's fun to see, especially when John Morant's so good and you know he's just you know there's a lot of there's a lot of times I just. I just kind of amazed at the caliber of passing and, and his vision 
that he has on the court at times. And it's a guy that the Grizzlies have never seen. You know, he is a talent like the Grizzlies have never had before. And it'll be fun to watch the next few years as he continues to develop. And the good news is if he continues to develop on this track and obviously a max contract comes down the road, it's set up for him to stay in Memphis, not just because of the the money and the years that the Grizzlies can offer uh, more than anybody else. But, you know, John Memphis kind of fit, you know, I wrote about yeah. it leading up to the draft, the, the Southern mindset of job being from South Carolina, similar in terms of, uh, you know, Memphis is a big stage to him. It doesn't matter that it's not Boston, that it's not New York, that it's not, you know, like an RJ Barrett reportedly saying he wanted to play in some big market. That doesn't matter to John Morant. And, and I think that that helps the Grizzlies and it helps the relationship that jaw will develop with the city that already it's a, it's a honeymoon stage now. And, and I'll remind people, remember Morant is a rookie. He's going to make mistakes. There's going to be nights that he's off. He's had a couple of those already. Um, even with as well as he's played, there's going to be times where he doesn't look as sharp, where he doesn't look as good. And, and he especially struggles defensively at times. He still has too many turnovers, but when you have the usage rate that he does for this Grizzlies roster, that makes sense to an extent. Uh, remember he's a rookie is essentially what I'm trying to say. He's going to have off nights. He's still electrifying. As you put it, he's still extremely gifted and talented And Memphis is extremely fortunate to have quote unquote, won the lottery. Uh, they missed out on Zion, but to move out, move up to two overall and get John Morant is one hell of a consolation prize. We're wrapping up here with Mark King. Make sure you're following him on Twitter. If you don't already do so at King underscore producer, he is the podcast host of the Locked on Grizzlies podcast. Follow Locked on Grizzlies at Locked on Grizz. Uh, Mark, we'll get you out of here on this. John Morant is an extremely talented player, but he's not alone on that injury list that's been building over the last week or so, or he wasn't alone, I should say. It looks like there's going to be a couple other names coming off of that list here in a moment, uh, potentially Wednesday night, as soon as Wednesday night, uh, with Kyle Anderson and Brandon Clark both being probable for that contest. When you look at this Grizzlies rotation, we talked about this in the first segment. I'm curious as to your take on it. Obviously, you've got guys like John Morant, Jaron Jackson Jr., uh, Dylan Brooks will be in that mix, Jonas Valanciunas, of course, Jay Crowder. You know, there's going to be a, a, a minutes crunch as Brandon Clark and Kyle Anderson return. They both are averaging over 20 minutes a game, respectively. Who do you think are going to be the odd men out as the Grizzlies? Uh, get back to almost full strength. Grayson Allen already ruled out for the game Wednesday night. But once Grayson's back, you know, you've got 13, 14 guys that can theoretically play, including the two-way guys. Uh, who Who's going to be the odd men out, even if it's an 11-man rotation? That means two guys aren't going to play. Yeah, you know, it's, it's a situation where we, you know, we saw DeAnthony Melton get in the game um, against the Warriors, something that I was pleasantly surprised with the, with the return of John Morant. I did not know if he would you know, be able to take some of those minutes, but you know, you're probably going to look at someone like Marco Goodrich getting squeezed out. Um, Solomon Hill probably won't continue to play 30 minutes a game. Um, so, you know, you can probably bring some of those guys down. Um, but I, I, so as far as on the wing, which is uh, typically where Kyle is, I would probably think that um, Marco probably gets squeezed out. Um, it just depends on how much, you know, how much longer of a leash they want to have him, you know, give him. Um, and it depends on what, you know, if they want to, prioritize DeAnthony Melton over Marco, which is they do seem to want to do that for the time being. At least they've done that over the past few games. So, um, you know, DeAnthony's getting his chance uh, just like Marco did. And Marco hasn't, unfortunately, done anything with it. Um, and then, like I said, uh, uh, once Brandon Clark comes back, Solomon Hill uh, will go back down to those several minutes. You know, he wasn't playing this amount of minutes uh, when the, to start the season. So um, I would expect his minutes to go back down because he's been playing the, uh, the the four spot as well as in some spots. So uh, we saw that the other night when, you know, I guess the Warriors when the Taylor had um, Grayson and uh, Tyus and Melton and Solomon and Jonas all out there together. So um, I would kind of expect that. But, yeah, I mean, it, it's going to be a rentist crutch. And, and and Taylor Jenkins has proven to uh, go with the hot hand. He's, he's, he's said that as much in lots of press conferences that 
Uh, that is that is what he wants to do. That is what he he rewards guys for uh, for you know having you know being on as he calls it um, every night or, or, or every game. So and that's why you see some you know closing rotations could be different sometimes than we've seen in the in the, in the season so far. So um, you know it, there, people are going to have to step up, and whoever steps up and, and makes shots and continues to play well, that's who's going to that's who's going to get the call. And so I I'd, I'd probably. And when Grayson comes back, I'd probably, you know, if, if Marco will probably be the first person I would squeeze out of that rotation to fit someone like a D'Anthony Melton in and, you know, limit Solomon Hill's minutes as well. We're on the same page. Solomon Hill isn't going to be on this Grizzlies team long term. I'm not sure that Marco Guterich is going to be on this Grizzlies team long term. He was brought over to be a sniper, sharpshooter type, and that just hasn't manifested. Of course, he still has some time to develop uh, within the system, and his contract is cheap enough. It's not like it'll kill the Grizzlies to keep him around uh, to see if he can come a, become something. But so far, that has not worked out. Bruno Cavaclo is what he is at this point. I think he has potential, obviously still young, but compared to the other guys on the roster, I think he's another guy you squeeze out. So that gives you your 10. And like you said, Solomon Hill maybe gets eight to 10 minutes a game, but everybody above that should definitely be seeing a considerable amount more of time moving forward. uh, Thank you so much, Mark, as always for coming on. It's always good to talk basketball with you. We'll have you on down the road, of course. And, and I look forward to continuing my weekly spot over on locked on Grizzlies excited for our show this week and every week that I get a chance to hop on with you. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you having me on. All right, ladies and gentlemen, for Mark King, for Parker Fleming, my name is Joe Molinax. We'll be back next week. Grind forth, Grizz Nation. Follow us on Twitter at GBB Live. This is our podcast, the flagship podcast of the Grizzly Bear Blues Podcast Network that you can check out on Stitcher, Spotify, anywhere you can get a podcast. You can find us, the Core 4, 3 and D, all the great shows that we have over at GBB. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time, grind forth. This is Grizzly Bear Blues Live. We all need the right tools for success. A painter needs their perfect brushes, and a climber needs to be able to rely on their harness. And for your work, you need to stay connected. With Slack, teams can help you work better. Slack is a productivity platform that connects all your team members together instantly. It's built to help your team with a host of features like huddles for quick check-ins and clips for recording and sharing video. Slack also makes it easy to search and find the right information you need. You can even integrate the apps you use in your normal workflow like your calendar or product management tools, so you stay focused on the work that matters and get more done. Learn more at slack.com slash productivity.